the historical event of Passover, which gave way to the birth of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, is a picture of another exodus that took place in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Passover is this week, and this is the time when God told the Jewish people in Exodus to remember their deliverance from Egypt. He commanded them to remember for all their generations. In fact, it says in Exodus 12:14, this day will become a memorial for you, and you will celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Hi, I'm Steve Conover. This is the Friends of Israel Today, and I'm here with our host, Chris Katulka. You know, as Steve was saying, the story of Passover is the reminder of God's deliverance for his people. Their deliverance from bondage in Egypt to freedom. And today on the show, we're going to compare the story of Passover from the Old Testament to the freedom that we find in Jesus in the New Testament. There's a new exodus that happens, my friends, when Jesus, our Passover lamb, frees us from the bondage of sin. And also, we're going to ask the tough questions about Passover. In particular, this, why did God choose to kill the firstborn for the 10th plague? And then, apples of gold. You can visit foiradio.org to see all our Passover-related resources or to sign up for a free one-year subscription to Israel My Glory magazine. I was recently reading that the automobile and tech companies are partnering together to make cars a lot smarter. And as the Globe's newspaper writes, all roads lead to Israel for smart car development. Companies like General Motors, Intel, Samsung, and Alibaba are all buying into Israel's smart car technology to get a jump start on the future of driving. Recently, Intel bought Israeli startup Mobileye, a leader in computer technology for self-driving cars for $15.3 billion. And Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation intends to place a research and development center in Israel while keeping an eye out for investment opportunities in the smart car companies. The cars of the future may one day be driverless and more safe thanks to Israeli innovation. Passover season's upon us, my friends, and it's really one of the most important holidays on the Jewish calendar. Families and friends will gather together to retell the story of that miraculous moment when God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. You know, for 400 years, the Israelites were away from the land God promised them. And for much of that time, Pharaoh feared the growth of the Israelites, so he enslaved them to keep them under control. And Egypt was a lot like a, think of it like an incubator for the nation of Israel. They they kept growing and growing in number, forming literally a small nation inside of Egypt over that 400 years. And until that day, at the end of Exodus chapter two, verses 23 through 25, it says this, listen to this. During that long period of time, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned because of slave labor. They cried out and their desperate cry because of their slave labor went up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the Israelites and God understood. This is an amazing section where God begins to turn his eyes to his people once again to draw them out of Egypt. 
Now, this doesn't mean that God forgot his people. You know, he didn't have this, oh my goodness, I forgot about the Israelites moment. I can't believe I left them behind in Egypt. You know, when it says that God remembered, this is a way of him saying that he was attentive to what was happening and was about to act. And God acted in a mighty way, everybody. He raised up Moses in the next chapter, in chapter three, to counter the hard heart of Pharaoh who refused to let the Israelites go. And through a series of 10 plagues, God delivered the Israelites from slavery into freedom. And that last plague was the most significant. God promised that if Pharaoh wouldn't release the Israelites from bondage and slavery, all the firstborn of the land of Egypt would die. That's the firstborn children of Egypt and the firstborn of all the animals of Egypt, all firstborn. And listen, you want to stick around because in our next segment, we're going to look at why God chose to take out the firstborn. But see, the Israelites were commanded by God to take the blood of a lamb and to smear it on the doorposts and lintels of their homes. And this was used as a sign for the angel of the Lord who was coming to judge to pass over the homes of the people who were in them. And that's where the name Passover comes from. The blood of the lamb was a sign for the Lord that the Israelites took a step of faith to follow him, to trust him, and and to really apply the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Israel's faith to mark their homes with the blood of a lamb saved them from the judgment coming on Egypt. God passes over them, he delivered them from his wrath, and released them from slavery into freedom. Everyone, this is the Exodus story. This is the Passover story. And God didn't forget his chosen people. He didn't want to see them enslaved to serve a master like Pharaoh who would abuse them and, and keep them in, his, in, in bonds. And the, and the truth is, God didn't forget us either. The, the historical event of Passover, which gave way to the birth of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, is a picture of another exodus that took place in the ministry of Jesus Christ. It all started in John's gospel when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming for the first time. You may remember this. And he says to the crowd of people around him, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John the Baptist says this, he's actually referring back primarily to Exodus chapter 12 and the unblemished lamb that was used during the Jewish Passover to deliver the Israelites. And notice, during Passover, there could have been more than 200,000 lambs that were slaughtered that day. But John doesn't just call Jesus a lamb of God. He calls him the lamb of God. This is the lamb that God chose In Exodus chapter 12, it says that the lamb the Israelites were to take were to be spotless and unblemished lambs. And again, when we go back to the gospel of John, in John chapter 19, the crucifixion passage, John makes sure to mention that no bone was broken in Jesus's body. Folks, this is a direct connection once again to the Passover lamb being without blemish. 
So let's pull back and look at this story for a moment. Let's get a bigger picture. You can see the entire forest here because there's a big story happening. You know, just like God was going to judge Egypt for Pharaoh's stubbornness and his hard heart to not let the Israelites go. Folks, God's going to judge the world for sin. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, in reference to God judging the world. He says this, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And Paul is talking to everybody there. Do you see the parallel between the judgment on Egypt and the future judgment that's coming on the world? Pharaoh had a hard heart and he was storing up wrath for himself every time he said no to God's command. And like Pharaoh, mankind has the same problem with stubborn, hard hearts. We do not like to let go of the things that we think we have control of. And God is saying this world is going to be judged. And so just as God's judgment passed over the homes of the Israelites who put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, my judgment, God is saying, will pass over anyone who by faith claims the blood of Christ. See, God wants his creation to experience freedom, not bondage and slavery, freedom. And the truth is this, is that the the brokenness of this world and the temptations of the world don't produce freedom. They actually become masters over us, and we end up in the bondage and slavery of sin over and over and over again. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is that he takes away the sin of the world and that he has provided for us. Here it is, everybody. Look a new exodus. Satan has enslaved the world to sin. Satan is the one who's in control right now. And God is going to judge the world as a result. But just before he judges the world, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die. And by his blood, the blood of Christ, God's judgment passes over us because we are found righteous in Christ. We are like, think about this, we are like those Israelites in some way who are huddled together in their homes with the blood of the lamb on their doorposts as God's wrath passes over them. We're like them. At the center of this new exodus, like the exodus from the Passover, is having, think about this, a heart of faith. I'm sure the Israelites probably looked at Moses like he was crazy when he commanded them to put blood of uh, the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and on the lintels of their homes and that by doing that God's wrath would, you know, pass right over them. But really, this is the heart of faith. It remains the same today. Look at there are some givens in in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The the first is this, God is going to judge the world. That's a given. It's going to happen. The second is this, Jesus Christ was the unblemished lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world and to deliver mankind from the wrath of God. Folks, that happened. It really did. These are two things that are that are established. However, the variable that's at play here is faith. The, the faith to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to deliver us 
from slavery, the slavery of sin, into freedom. God has provided the means for a new exodus. And listen, if you've never put your trust in the work of Jesus Christ and the power of his blood, I want to encourage you, don't live trapped in the bondage of this world and of sin and shame. You don't have to do that. Put your faith, believe that Jesus, our Passover lamb, believe that his blood can set you free. Here at the Friends of Israel, we want to provide you with resources that help build your knowledge of the Bible as you grow in your faith. Through our blogs and videos, we cover topics like Passover and other biblical feasts, doctrine, and Christian living. They're all available. You'll find a link to these free resources at foiradio.org. Now, there are a lot of Bible resources out there, but here at the Friends of Israel, we strive to look at the scriptures literally, taking into account the culture, history, and understanding of the original audience, which is primarily the Jewish people. We believe when you read the Bible through this lens, It helps us to see the full picture of how God is working in the world and in our lives. Again, find a link to these resources at foiradio.org. Welcome back, everybody. Our show this weekend is focused on the story of Passover. And since Passover begins this week on April 11th, it's fitting that we talk about some of the issues surrounding the Passover. In the last segment, we discussed how God, through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, brought about a new exodus, an exodus from sin and shame into freedom that can only be found in Jesus the Messiah. Well, I want to look at another aspect of Passover from the biblical account of Exodus chapter 12, and it has to do with the plagues. There were 10 plagues that God used to judge uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians for refusing to obey the Lord and to let the Israelites go. You know, here, here are the 10. You ready? Blood, frogs, lice, flies, sickness and death to animals, boils. This is kind of depressing, isn't it? Hail, locusts, darkness, and then finally the 10th plague is death to the firstborn. I wanted to spend some time addressing the last of the 10 plagues for just a few moments because in our day and age, this plague seems just a little over the top. You know, we can handle elements of the Passover story like the Nile turning to blood or locusts, but it gets really personal when you begin to think that a part of Egypt's judgment was death to the firstborn. I mean, I'm a firstborn, a firstborn son. And it sounds really harsh, but I want you to see what was behind this particular judgment to bring it to life a little bit. 
Listen to the Passover account here. After the Lord tells the Israelites to take the lamb and to smear blood on the doorposts of the house, the houses, he says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, he says this, I will pass through the land of Egypt in the same night, and I will attack all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both of humans and of animals, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I always like it when God ends it with, I am the Lord. It's kind of like a signature that, that signifies that what God said will be accomplished. Now, first, let's go back a few chapters in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses was in Midian, and God was telling Moses to return to Egypt. And when he arrives back, he must tell Pharaoh that this message is from God. And listen to what God tells Moses to tell Pharaoh. Listen to this. Israel is my son, Pharaoh, my firstborn. And I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But since you have refused to let him go, I will surely kill your son, your firstborn. Do you see what's happening here? The Israelites are God's firstborn son. And a firstborn son in the ancient day was very important. He was the one to receive the father's inheritance. And in this case for the Israelites here, they were to receive the inheritance the Lord promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. And in God's eyes, Pharaoh had the Israelites, his son, think about that. Israelites are considered God's firstborn son. Pharaoh had them in what looked like a chokehold to God. He was suffocating them by not releasing them from bondage. He was abusing them. So God turns the tables and says to him, if you continue to abuse and suffocate my firstborn son and you don't set them free, then I'm going to come after your firstborn son. Notice Pharaoh was warned. This is really important. He was warned early on that this judgment would happen if he didn't change and let the Israelites go. This wasn't a judgment call that God made after, you know, kind of like a last-ditch effort to finally get Pharaoh to bend to his wishes. No, God already said this would happen if Pharaoh's heart remained stubborn toward God. The other thing to notice is this. God says that these judgments are against all the gods of Egypt. Each plague essentially is designed by God to show that he's the one true creator God of the universe. And so God puts to shame each Egyptian God with each plague by essentially disrupting the entire worship system of Egypt. And think about this. The firstborn son of any Pharaoh, he was considered divine. He had divine qualities and a divine nature to him. And God puts an end to that with his judgment. I think it's important to see that God's passion for his people, both Israel and I believe for the church as well, is very deep. And his patience wore thin with Pharaoh's hard heart. The death to the firstborn in the Passover story is a tough pill to swallow. But think about this. God takes the treatment of his people very seriously. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. 
I have lived in this part of Jerusalem for more than 35 years, and my children grew up playing with their Arab neighbors. Today, my children's Arab friends are adults, and they blindly hate Israel. Recently, after many years, I ran into some of them. They recognized me and asked about my sons. One said, your sons were our friends. Now they hate us. I replied, they don't hate you. I have taught them to love. Even to love those who hate you? One asked. We believe in the living God, and the Lord teaches us not to hate, but to love one another. What books do you read that you speak such nice words, even to your enemy? Would you like to see the book? I replied. Yes, they all agreed. We want to read it, and we want to know who wrote it. I showed them the Holy Bible. They were very surprised. You know, one told me, we want to read this book. But our parents are fanatic Muslims. They would kill us if they saw us reading the Jewish Bible. I told them that the Bible was given to all people, not only Jewish people. Do you have a Bible in our language, Arabic? While we were talking, two of their Arab friends were listening. We too know your sons, one said. Many years ago, we played football together. By football, they meant soccer. We also want one of those books, but in Arabic. I told them, this is the Holy Bible. And here it is not written to hate your friends. It tells us about faith and love. And those of us who have believed in the Lord no longer hate, because God enables us to love. Now they all wanted a Bible. Are you sure this book is not only for Jews, one asked. I am sure. This book is for everyone. They asked me many questions. They even asked in what language they must go to the Lord. The language does not matter. What matters is that you go to him with your heart. You pray to him, and he will answer you. I showed them Isaiah 49.5, which says, And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also give you a light as to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see it arise, princes also shall worship, because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. They wanted very much to read what was written there. This is the beginning, one said. We will come one day and speak with you about what we have not spoken about. Are you ready? It is my duty before the Lord to be ready. Please pray for these men. We know in prayer we see the mighty power of God.
Check out foiradio.org to see our Passover resources and join us next week as we look at Psalm 22. We're dedicating our time to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. A quick reminder, you can receive Israel My Glory magazine at no cost for a full year. Visit foiradio.org to learn more. That's foiradio.org. Or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 